Father, I just thank you for, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have uh, brought this house even uh, to a one accord in hearing your word, uh, that you have brought us to a place where we're ready to receive what you have. Uh, Lord, and I just pray even now that you continue to humble us uh, and bring us to the place where uh, we're entirely yielded to you, uh, to let you do your work and have your way in us, that your love may be demonstrated and displayed uh, for each one of us in that you aren't leaving us alone, but that you're taking us and you're telling us who we are in you and who you are for us and that you're birthing life in each one of us, that you are birthing life in this house and that you are birthing life through this house. Uh, so I just pray that you uh, give me your grace to speak your heart. Get me out of the way. Uh, anoint me as the one who is speaking right now. Uh, to, to share your word uh, and, and just continue to anoint those who participate tonight, whether it's in the sharing up front or it's in the prayers uh, in the pews or it's just in the hugs and the, the gentle, uh, kind looks we share with one another. Anoint us to be life givers to one another, communicators and imparters of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so, in, in Acts 8, uh, it says, actually in verse, uh, well, the second half of verse 1, it says, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then jumping down to verse 4, it says, But the believers who were scattered preach the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Um, one of the things that's interesting, and, and we're just going to kind of jump in, uh, Jesus in Acts 1, he said, the Father, when they asked him, they said, are you, when, when can we know the kingdom's coming? He said, that's not for you uh, to know, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Before chapter 8, we're in Jerusalem. That's, that's where the church has existed, is in Jerusalem. So Jesus has given this promise that says, y'all are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but also to uh, Judea and Samaria. And what Luke does in Acts is he then tracks how this fulfillment comes to pass. And it wasn't through ambition and it wasn't through great design and great planning. It wasn't through, you know, some kind of uh, structure being set up. And we've got this great mission uh, or evangelism plan and mission plan. Instead, it was we're in Jerusalem and we're shaking things up in Jerusalem. We're working in the power of God because the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2. Uh, and we're working with the power of God. We're seeing deliverance. We're seeing healings. Uh, we are proclaiming who Jesus is in front of councils. And we're being arrested because of it. And we're still being delivered because of it. And everything's popping in Jerusalem. So why do we need to go anywhere else? 
And Paul, Saul at the time, also sees what's happening. And he's like, whoa, this little sect of Christ followers is shaking things up. And so what we have is, uh, in chapter 7, is we have Stephen, who just gives this full-throated message about, he doesn't even get to Jesus. He's just in the Old Testament, and as he's in the Old Testament, just tracking the history of Israel and its leaders, he's throwing stones, verbal stones at these people saying, and you leaders are the same way, you're still killing the prophets. You're still refusing the messengers. And that didn't go over well when you challenged the religious establishment. So, of course, they uh, did away with Stephen. And then Luke in Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 1 says Saul was one of the ones looking there. And what I did not read was um, in Acts uh, chapter 2, it says some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from home to home, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So here we have this promise from Jesus. Jesus that says, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and also in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here the church is, it's shaking things up in Jerusalem, but it really, according to Acts, it really hasn't gone outside of that boundary line. It's still in Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, Paul comes in and he starts throwing people in prison. And that's where we get into Acts, I mean, yeah, Acts 8, uh, 5, or Acts 4. Uh, 8, 4 says, believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's in the other half of 8, 1, where it talks about being scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, I'm not saying that the church was in disobedience and God had to send a persecutor. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes... Jesus promises things saying, this is what's coming. You will become my witnesses in all these places. But we don't always know the path to get there. And, you know, if Jesus in Acts chapter 1 said, and you will be persecuted to the extent that all of y'all are going to leave and have to go minister in other places, there might not have been this enthusiasm about gathering in the upper room and seeking the Holy Spirit. Might be like, whoa, I thought we were doing good. We just saw Jesus resurrected. We've gotten our victory now. And so Jesus gives the promise, but he doesn't necessarily tell the path that they have to walk to get there. And so for us, in this house, lots of promises have been given and lots of promises have been fulfilled. Let's praise God for those things. Let's not rush past when God answers his promises, when he comes through like he said. But every one of you probably can pull out a list of promises that have not yet come to pass. But it doesn't mean that they're not coming. It doesn't mean that we just throw those away. I've I've said before, y'all heard me say it, I'm still convicted by it. We pray for things sometimes and quit before the fulfillment Mm -hmm. because we think we've got to have a fresh prayer. Mm -hmm. And I use this example. I remember the very night when I used this example, but when somebody prophesies over me and says, 
you will be a man of fire. I believe it. I believe I will be a man on fire. And I want to keep praying into that until it happens. But we get so shuffled along to the next promise or to the next hope, or even because we feel like maybe, okay, well, maybe that, that person just wasn't right. Or maybe we need to reinterpret it. Uh, maybe we're going to get on a sunburn and that's the fire I'm going to feel. Just so we can give God an out and so that we can give ourselves an out about holding on to the promises. Jesus promises us things. And, and I don't know. We don't know what was in the believers' minds in Jerusalem when when things are going great, things are being, are really hard, was there ever any conversation about, hey, how do we get into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? Because Jesus did tell us we were supposed to do that. I don't know. Maybe they were having those conversations. I can't help but think they probably were. Um, I mean, that's that's like the parting comment to, from Jesus before he floats up into the area. I would think you would kind of remember that last statement he gave us. So maybe in the upper room when they're praying, they're also talking about, hey, how do we get beyond Jerusalem too? That's the Holy Spirit. But, but there's no indication in the scriptures that they actually moved in that direction. It had to take outside forces scrambling things up for them, for them to start stepping into the promise of Jesus. Um, what's really interesting right now internally in my head is I don't know if I'm talking about any of this, but I do think it's pertinent. I think God has given promises to this house and we don't exactly know how they're going to come about. And so when Paul's sitting there ripping people out of their homes, not many of them are probably saying, this is awesome. We're finally being shuffled out of Jerusalem that maybe we can enter into the promises of Jesus. They're probably run scared. And they're probably thinking, I just left everything I own and I'm having to take off. But that's, we've got promises that are over this house and we don't exactly know how Jesus is bringing these things to their fulfillment. And guys, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily our job to make them come to pass. There's the uh, the old line. Well, we won't even say that, but I'll just say, you know, one of the promises that we we felt from the Lord through the dwelling ministries has an impact in Wilmore, yes, but also in Nicholson to reach all of Jesson County, the down and out and the broken of Jesson County. Now, I'm in a room full of smart people. I'm in a room full of ministers and evangelists and deliverance ministers and preachers. I'm in a room with some with it. I'm just I'm in a room with some superb people that probably could come a great way to go reach Nicholasville. We can just come up with a plan right now and make it happen. Because how many of us really, how many of us are tired of signing up for man's efforts to do good for the kingdom only to wear ourselves out? And see no fruit come from it. I am. And I don't want those chains in this house. 
Do I want to see God explode in the broken communities of this region? Absolutely. But we can't do it on our own. I don't want to wait for Saul to show up and start throwing us out of our homes. But Philip was one of the ones, as we read in chapter 8, Philip was one of the ones that was scattered. And Philip goes to Samaria, and Philip encounters these, these Samarians. And they it said the crowds listened intently. Uh, I'm reading that in the New Living Translation. It just speaks to me better. But where the New Living Translation says crowds listened intently, uh, NASB, ESB, it says they listened with one mind. There was a unity in these people as they're listening to Philip and watching him perform miracles in the midst. Philip shows up in Samaria, and there was something on him that caused the people to say, whoa, that guy's got something different. And just to compare, Scripture tells us, starts telling us about this Simon who was a magician, and they had said they, that he was called the great one, the power of God, Simon. Philip shows up and apparently starts outdoing Simon because all these people start turning their lives over to Jesus and getting baptized. And Simon does the same thing. He turns his life over to Jesus and gets baptized. And he's like, what I was doing obviously is nothing compared to what you were doing. How much can I pay you to get back? Which, of course, by this time, the, the apostles are down there because they hear something's shaking in Samaria. <laughs> They're down here and they're talking to Simon and they rebuke him pretty harshly, which he immediately backs off. He's like, whoa, I didn't know. And that's a whole different message for another time. But I'm like, that would be really fun. I mean, this guy, he's as raw as they get. He's sitting there been wheeling and dealing in the, in the, in the market with the spirit world. And something pure comes up and he's like, okay, well, how much do I pay to get that kid? No, 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 no. It's not how this works. Shame on you. And just the rawness, the realness. I mean, I think I, we would almost find it refreshing. Yeah. It's like, okay. And you're so far off base, and God's going to curse you if you don't repent. But I appreciate the fact that you're coming at us raw. Um, but so Philip deals uh, Philip's in Samaria. And uh, and then after, after that, Philip goes on. Uh, it does not, it says he goes south. The Holy Spirit told him to go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this is when he meets the eunuch who's just rolling around in his carriage reading from Isaiah, of all things, because that's what eunuchs do on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. He's reading from Isaiah, and Philip goes and just strikes up a conversation with him. Now remember, this story happens because Paul is going house to house throwing people to prison. It wasn't an invitation of the Spirit for Philip to go to Samaria. It wasn't a strategy of the church to go down to Samaria. Philip's running for his life, like a lot of the leaders are. And so he meets this eunuch, and this eunuch is reading from Isaiah, and the eunuch's like, uh, well, I'll, I'll read what he read, what he was reading. It says, he was led to sheep, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. 
He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch reads this and he looks at Philip and he's like, who's this guy talking about? Is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? I mean, guys, you don't have to be an evangelist to see that open door. <laughs> I'm praying for that open door because I'm not the evangelist. Like, God, send me somebody that's reading this story about Jesus dying on the cross and looks at me and says, what does this mean? I think I can walk through that door with the power of the Spirit. Uh, so Philip's got this easy open door where he could say, it says he started from that scripture and then told the good news of Jesus to the eunuch. And the eunuch ends up getting baptized, and then Philip gets whisked away to some other place. I mean, what an amazing story. And I meant to look it up before I came in here, like how many other stories there are about Philip. But I really don't know many about him. But just this story right here is an amazing story to me because the church was scattered because Saul's going around ripping people out of houses and throwing them in jail. Believers scatter. The apostles didn't. They stayed tight. Um, but the believers scattered. And one of those just happens to be Philip who marches down to Samaria, shuts down a magician who is deceiving people, and sets loose a revival, essentially, in Samaria. And then goes and meets this eunuch where he's able to baptize him on the road. And then the Spirit just whisks him away to some other place. The promises don't always detail the path to get there. That's a lot of times they don't. We hold promises because God's faithful. You can think about that. We hold to the promises because He causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I think we're saying about that. We hold fast to His promises. And he delivers. And maybe we do go through our afflictions. But he delivers. How many of you would take being thrown out of your house and being sent on the run if it meant you got to go to Nicholson and preach the gospel, shut down spiritual warfare, spiritual witchcraft, and watch a revival. And then to just go head down the road towards Lexington and meet people on the road who are just happen to be reading something that opens the door just as wide as could be for God's message to come forward and through. Maybe I'm being a little flippant in saying, you know, how many of us are willing to be thrown out of our house? And that is a big thing, and I don't, this, I'm not downplaying it at all. Uh, and maybe that's part of the question for some of us to ask tonight. Is are we willing to be thrown out of our homes and taken away from this probably? If it means God gets to use us in some kind of way. That's one of the first things that really kind of jumped out to me was uh, 
you know, certainly there's persecution going on for the church and for believers and the apostles. Uh, but I'm trying to imagine this, this world because it's so foreign. I don't think, I, I, look, a lot can happen, a lot can shift. I've watched enough dystopian shows to see that, you know, zombie apocalypse can change everything. Uh, but I think it's hard for us to imagine what it would be like to have, be, to have somebody come down our door and say, are you Christian? Let's throw you in prison. And there's another part of me that thinks these believers that were scattered because this is new, guys. This is like this is pretty fresh. Faith is fresh. The church is fresh right now. They could have easily said, "Oh no, we're just we're just Jews. We're not Christians." They could have backed off real simple and not faced Paul throwing them into or Saul throwing them into prison. But they had already made their decision. That faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus as new and as fresh and as raw as it was, it was worth the consequence that came. I think we have to wrestle with that. Faith, obedience, is it worth the consequence that could come? It wouldn't, you know, one of the things, though, is, is their faith didn't demand that they stand at the door and say, you know, kill me. There, it, it seems to be a pretty acceptable thing for them to take off. Because how else does God get his people? I mean, he could do it. He would have found a way. But how else would he have gotten them to Judea and Samaria? except for giving them license to go flee for their lives. Guys, it's okay for us to protect ourselves at times. God says, you know, if we're going to hold fast to our faith and somebody's coming to challenge us, we don't always have to be the ones that say, sign me up for the beheading. Sign me up for martyrdom. Sometimes we're called for that. The believers didn't deny their faith, but they also were smart enough to say, I'm going to get my family out of here, and I'm taking off now. Wisdom. God gave us brains. He gave us hearts. And he's got plans that we don't always see yet. And so I, that, that's one of the first things was their faith was strong enough to require or demand or even just submit to a scattering. But it wasn't so, like, full-headed and heroic that it says, I'm going to kill myself rather than, than run. The main verse for me that just spoke was, the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they were. And we've talked about what the scattering was about, but what really just 
stop me. And other versions would say, preach the gospel. And I'm guilty of flying past that word, the gospel. But they just, that's one reason why I wanted to read out of the New Living Translation. It said, preach the good news about Jesus, the gospel. But preach the good news about Jesus. Yes, it's the gospel. But sometimes we lose sight. That doesn't speak to me as much, the gospel, is when I am actually forced to slow down and say with all those words, preach the good news about Jesus. And one of the things I thought like the Lord was speaking to me about this was, as new as all this was, these people had experienced Jesus, they had experienced the Holy Spirit, and they had been taken to task by the people in Jerusalem. And they had, in that short amount of time, they had lived and experienced enough of the Lord where the message was deeply implanted in them. They knew what they were living for. There was no doubt about who they were and what was going on inside of them. So that when the believers are scattered and they're preaching about Jesus, the good news about Jesus everywhere they went, that's what else could they do? The reason they're scattered is because they're preaching about the good news of Jesus. So they better hit the road and go preach about the good news of Jesus. They knew who he was and they had a message that they were living into and that they were also proclaiming. And it didn't matter to them. I, I, you know, I don't know the, the geography there. I mean, I assume Samaria is like right down the road. And y'all probably know. And, uh, and they're like, how do you know this? Uh, we just went through three and a half years. <laughs> it's basic. That should be the first class. Where's Jerusalem? Where's everything else? Uh, but... The word says wherever they went. Philip happened to go to Samaria. Philip is an example of what the believers, all the believers who were scattered, where they went. He's just an example. Because they didn't take all the believers, and we've got other passages that talk about 3,000 joined the church, and on and on and on. So we were talking about a, a good group of people. They didn't all just get in a big clump and say, we're all going to Samaria now. They were scattered. We just have Philip's story here. So wherever they went, they were preaching the good news about Jesus. Now, if y'all were here last time I, I spoke, I talked about how, you know, as lights and as lamps, we shine where God places us. And so I just want to carry that uh, forward into tonight as well. Wherever God places us, we shine. We proclaim the good news about Jesus. Because it is good news. But guys, there's a message that Philip had. And I feel like the Lord, this is where I really want to kind of land the plane tonight. There's a message that Philip had. And if we read uh, in Acts, we see lots of uh, speeches that Peter was given. 
that, that did track Old Testament stuff and then landed it with Jesus died at your hands and then God uh, recognized him, raised him from the dead and that all who believe can have life through him. Uh, that's, that's the message that's being proclaimed. Of course, Stephen never got there because he made him so mad before he could get there. And they knew what he was trying to get at anyway, but he never actually got to land his plane. Um, but maybe he landed it because he's watching Jesus saying, I got you. You're mine. Uh, but there was a message that Philip had, and all scripture says is it's the good news about Jesus. But what I felt the Spirit saying and leading us to tonight is what's your good news about Jesus? It's got some of us are just naturally going into a room, lighting it up and talking to everybody and the gospel, the good news about Jesus to them is just easy. I am not that guy. And so I'm always looking at how do you reach people with the gospel when you aren't walking in some of those graces. And I believe this, what the Lord was asking of me, and what he's asking us to even ponder and consider and to receive his insight on is, do you know what your message is? You know, in... in culture they talk about the uh, elevator speech you got 15 seconds to get somebody's attention what are you going to tell them now I'm not trying to reduce the good news about Jesus to 15 seconds but there is an authenticity about the good news of Jesus that's in every single morning that will be expressed in different ways. And if I try to give Megan's good news about Jesus in that 15 seconds, they're going to look at me and say, That's, there's nothing real about you. You read a book. You had a canned message. And there's nothing there. And what I want to challenge myself with and what I want to challenge you with is do you know what your message is? When you go into a room that is not like this, with Jesus on the wall, in the stained glass windows, when you go into a room that doesn't look like a seminary or a Christian university, when you go into a room that you know what your message is, whether it's to be lived out like Philip had to initially, where he's scattered because of his faith. He's not preaching as he's running away. Though at least we don't know that he is. There's nothing that says and Philip took off out of his house, and as he's running, he's talking about Jesus to anybody who can hear him. All we know is the believers were scattered, and Philip ends up in Samaria, and when he ends up in Samaria, he's like, I need to tell y'all about Jesus. Do you know what your message is? Because a lot of us aren't going to have time to track the entire Old Testament all the way leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and then the entire last 2,000 years of church history and how that translates into you today. We need to be able to tell people what he, who he really is to us authentically, practically, 
realistically. Guys, I'm challenging us like we don't need to be telling other people's stories. There's a time and a place for that. But when you are scattered into Samaria, they want to look at you and say, we've been following this magician guy. He's kind of fun and interesting, but that guy is the real deal. Easy to be, easy, easy-ish to be the real deal in here. <clears throat> but when you get scattered to Samaria and you fail, and to the eunuch on the road, it's not always easy to be the real deal. So, if I can, my musician, we can close it out with past little past time, but. What I want to leave us with, if I were, I really did think this, if I were as organized and prepared as Joseph and Jen, I have index cards for y'all and make y'all write down what your message is. But I don't. So I'm just going to ask y'all to genuinely seek the Lord. And, and I, don't, I don't say this because I'm up here giving this message. I think God's giving us a gift tonight by asking us to really nail down what is our message? Do we know what it is? And are we prepared to live it and speak it and carry it with us? Because maybe your message is, I'm suffering. But he has never let me down. And I'm holding on to that. Or maybe your message is, I said yes to him. And he's sending me somewhere I never thought I would go. But he's told me that this is God's. Maybe your message is, he gives me peace. And I want you to know that peace. That's the reason why I'm kind of leaving it up to you guys, because yes, we can give the theology of this is who Jesus is, and this is what it means. But how that translates into your life is different. Philip was performing miracles, and I think we will too. And I just, I don't know, I just want to open it up. If anybody wants prayer or to receive the, the Spirit, this is a place that we can do that. We love to serve you and pray. I was pretty clear about the change, the difference between pre-baptism Holy Spirit and post-baptism Holy Spirit. So I don't want us to miss that, if that's something you want prayer for. But I believe the gift that God wants to give us and what he wants to give me is, do you know what your message is? Because you don't necessarily get to stay in Jerusalem forever. Or maybe you stay in Jerusalem, but you're going to be called to account. The world needs us to communicate who this Jesus is and why it's good news. Uh, just gonna let Zach play. Y'all pray. Seek the Lord. If you don't get some divine 
15 second elevator, spiritual elevator speech tonight. That's okay. Um, but I really want us to press into that. Our message matters. Philip's message matters. And we can't be afraid. You can. But we love Philip's stories. But we may not always remember that it started because Saul's going around throwing people in prison. And he had to get out of Dodge. Philip doesn't do what he did, at least in scripture, until Paul or Saul is throwing everybody in prison. So I'm going to let Zach play. You don't have to play long, Zach. If you want prayer, this is a place of prayer. Uh, earlier in Acts, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to meals together, and prayer. And I don't know why prayer seems to stick out to me in that list, but I love it. I love that it's there. I love that it wasn't a blanket. It's teaching, it's food, fellowship. This is a place of prayer. We love to pray with you. Love to pray with each other. But I just push it one more time. What's your message? Do you know the good news of Jesus that you get to bring to this world?